0: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg. Um, We are getting to the point where I think we will also soon be joined again by our colleague, uh, Jason Oakland. He, I think this week, officially becomes a resident of southeastern Wisconsin.
1: He had messaged us that the Packers were there, capital P. Yeah, and, and you, I really appreciate it. did. Exci- with this. I was excited. I'm like, get yeah. some autographs. Yep. But because he's after- kind of up by Green Bay now. Yeah. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, I realized he meant the movers. Yeah. Um, Lower case P is what.
0: Yeah. He meant. So we'll hopefully be getting yeah. back to to three voices for you here. Um, but you have the two of us today. Uh, we are recording at what is getting close to the end of June. Mm-hmm. It's sad, Michael. Where we're a month and a half into our summer uh, "quote unquote" break. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about yours. Mine has not been much of a uh, much of a break. Um, are you getting research and writing and stuff done that you wanted?
1: I am. I am on schedule. Oh, I've been, I been like... on schedule, but I I booked it in May, and April. I did a bunch of stuff yeah. so that I could get ahead here. But I'm gone right. twice in the next three weeks. Speaking, so I um, think everything's going to get derailed.
0: I have not done almost anything of what I was hoping Yeah. to do. Uh, but, you know.
1: But I'm organized. I have a daily, and that's how I get stuff done. You go and... I've, this is probably and and bursts, the most I've,
0: most I've kept a schedule. Yeah, but you are right about the burst. You, you yeah. go and bursts. It'll come. But it's been... It'll come. I mean, our AC goes, dog dies. It'll come. Roofs leaking. It'll be fine. Kids had things come up they got to be. It's been... Uh, and then it's it'll just summer. go for you. Yeah, it'll be fine. And so, um, yeah, let's hope that's uh, that's July. We uh, have, I think, what will be hopefully a fun and interesting topic for us. It's one where we can kind of uh, run a bit from here to there uh, in a good way. I think lots of stuff we can unpack. But uh, what I wanted, what I, what what we wanted to talk about, what we'd like to talk about, is the fact that everyone is a theologian. Um, to one degree or another, everyone has a theology, even the atheist, the agnostic. Um, sometimes it's, it's when people will talk about us in the college, in the theology department, they'll say the theologians, as, as if on campus, right, these are the, the five theologians. Um, but just as everyone, to some degree, is a lot of the things, the disciplines we have here at the college, Uh, Perhaps I would say it's most true of what we do, our discipline, that everyone really is a theologian. Now, not everyone is a professional theologian Mm -hmm. or a paid theologian, um, but everyone is, to some degree or another, a theologian, and we will be unpacking that as we get to our main topic. Um, We are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. There are some new podcasts popping up over there. I'd encourage people... To go check that out, I think Scott Keith has a new one on um, tough passages of the, of the Bible. Um, I heard them talking about it the other day on Thinking Fellows. So I encourage you to check out 1517.org. They've got books. They've got academy courses. They have daily devotions. Um, they have uh, uh, a, the podcasting network with a variety of different podcasts. Uh, there's just new stuff all the time. So you can go ahead and check that out, 1517.org. While we're mentioning websites, if you haven't been there in a while, maybe go check out LetTheBirdFly.com. I know Apple iTunes only has so many of our episodes um, from the past there. Um, But you can find everything we've done there, LetTheBirdFly.com episodes, Wigging It Sessions, Bird's Eye Views. You remember what those are, Michael?
1: Yeah, it's when we would go somewhere and speak. Kind and of off-site somehow, lectures yeah. or discussions. Which yeah. we haven't really done.
0: Co- COVID put a, uh, made that more difficult, but maybe we'll get back to that here sometime. Um, there's a number of devotions or articles that we ourselves have written that you can find there, too, at com, If you haven't before, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe on your favorite podcatcher, Um Rate, review us. Um, that goes a long way in helping us uh, pop up a little bit sooner when people are searching for topics. Otherwise, lest I go too long in the in the intro. Michael, would you like to give them the disclaimer, and we'll get to our free for all?
1: This show doesn't speak for our churches our church bodies or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right. A podcast. So go live free friends and don't let us get in the way.
0: And that brings us to our free-for-all, and I think we'll try to keep this one somewhat short and sweet as uh, uh, we're a little bit time uh, constraints here, so we want to make sure not to go too long. So, Michael, you're in charge of that. That's not my, my spiritual gift. Um, but for a free-for-all, I suggested, and Mike seemed to think it was a good topic, um, I know we haven't done sports in a while, so hopefully people will <laughs> bear with us if they're not fans of the sports. But I would remind you, too, Every time we publish an episode, there are timestamps. So if you don't want to hear our free-for-all, just look at the time stamp. Fast forward, skip ahead, and you can get right to the main topic. Um, But what we're going to talk about is uh, Mike and I, it's fair to say we're both pretty avid sports fans. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say Mike's teams are a little bit more eclectic than mine just because Mike lived a number of places Mm -hmm. growing up. Um, Whereas I uh, I was in the same house in Livonia, Michigan, Metro Detroit, until uh, um, my parents moved. What was that, college or seminary? They finally moved a little bit to the west, but not not far. So basically, mine are easy to pick except for college, uh, all Detroit sports. Yeah. And then you got the big two choices in yeah. Michigan, and, and I went Sparty, mm-hmm. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where Michael and I do have a rivalry. Mm-hmm. This is our only real rivalry. And I would
1: say, at times, bitter.
0: Uh-huh. Um, is, is that Michael is a Michigan fan. Um, but otherwise... Uh, St. Louis teams for the most part yeah Blues Cardinals
1: and then when we were in LA uh that was Magic Byron Scott Cooper Worthy so you don't really
0: get too excited about NFL huh
1: nah not really so yeah
0: so I would say basketball you've got Lakers and the Wolverines for college yep and uh I would say basketball obviously I've got Pistons and Spartans um but but I, basketball I, and football I, would be our big two yeah, rivalries yeah, between the yeah, college teams. And I would I would
1: I respect and like all of the teams in those three states. Huh. So if the Saint Louis if Saint Louis University Billikins are in a A ten matchup with the Dayton Flyers, I'm going Billikins. That makes sense. One hundred percent. If if UCLA is playing Oregon or if USC is playing Arizona um, if the Pistons are playing the Pacers, I'm going to go with, with those teams. Yeah,
0: and I've got nothing too bad against St. Louis, although the Tigers and the Cardinals and the for a World a Series have a low pass.
1: The, for, for a while, St. Louis and Detroit were before the Avs kind of took over, uh, were the rivalry in the Western Conference, days, and, yeah. and Detroit just kept smacking them. Yeah. Um, by the way, two-hour documentary – on the ads yeah, of Detroit. I need I to see it. Yeah. I've only watched the first 10 minutes.
0: I've heard very good stuff. Um, what's the other one that just came out that I uh, – the thing with Giannis is supposed to be really yeah. good too. So, um, yeah, I will have to check that out. That was like prime hockey viewing years for me as a kid. Absolutely. Um, and uh, there was no – I would say there's no team in sports I've ever disliked as much is i dislike the avs during that stretch. Absolutely. I and mean as the pistons we you kind of had Celtics Lakers, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. rivalries, but um it was a uh, the avs were And and to
1: th- this is unless you're outside of unless you're right outside of Boston, maybe like Long Island places in New York and maybe a few places in Minnesota. The rest of the country doesn't understand what it's like to be a hockey fan. Mm-hmm. This is a unique thing. So you get the CBC, the Canadian Broadcast Channel game. Yep. You may have two games on ESPN when they used to carry that. Yep. Plus, you have the local Red Wings station there. Um, it was hockey all the time, and it was a big, like, yeah, it was a big deal. Because
0: in Detroit, you do get you get Channel Nine from yep. Canada, yep. Um, yep. being so close to Windsor, yep. um, and uh, and so you, yeah, you could get the rivalry games even without cable, right? Because the Red Wings were on network yep. then. Channel um, forty-five. Yeah, you um, you could get most of the games. So the
1: so the free-for-all is yes. What sport do you most like to watch, even when your team is, let's say, not good or like already out of it? Yep. not in the playoffs. Let's okay.
0: say it's yeah, your team didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What sport are you still going to watch the playoffs mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. And I think this can apply to college too, because you could say I'm still going to watch Mar- mm-hmm. March Madness mm-hmm. or the college football playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to go first or you want me to? go? I'm actually, I'll go first.
1: I'm actually really, unless my team's playing there, I will not watch a lot of, a lot of sports at all. So, but I, I could tell you the only, the only sport that I care that n- my team's not in is world cup. Like I could just throw a World Cup game on there. Sure. I don't care who's playing. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's I'm, a good one. I, I am think. enthralled by this. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm enthralled by this. You put an MLS soccer game in front of me, I'm not going to give you more than 30 seconds. Same way with the Olympics. Not, don't care that much if America's on or not. It's just some of the, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I would say that the sport that is always great, where you can appreciate it in the playoffs. Nothing like playoff hockey, both in the college and the pro level. So that I can get into. Um, I will basketball, man. If it's not my team, I just do not care. If it's
0: not Pistons or Bucks, I'm not. And watching.
1: honestly, I will not watch a football game unless it's playoffs or it's my team. Um, I would say the World Series. I will tune in a little bit because there is some drama there. Usually, yeah. Good enough.
0: No, I think that's good. Yeah. <clears throat> I would say. I would, I'm going to be honest, and this this pains me because baseball is far and away my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, like, to cheer for a team, um, to go to a game. Hockey would be up there, too. Hockey is a fun game. But I just love baseball. Mm-hmm. But um, I do not watch playoff baseball if the Tigers are not in it. Yeah. Or the Brewers. I will watch. Yeah. I, outside of the Packers, I would. Wisconsin teams are definitely my second team, and they have been um, for as long as I was dating my wife already and we're going to County Stadium, whatever. Um, so um, NBA has kept my attention because of the Bucks, and Brewers have had some playoff runs, so that's somewhat. But um, but otherwise, outside of the Milwaukee teams or Detroit teams, I just I can't sit and watch a whole playoff no. baseball game.
1: It's um, got to be maybe the end of the World Series
0: for me, yeah. Um and hockey, I would agree playoff hockey is the best the Stanley Cup finals mm-hmm. are the best of the big four like sports traditions like that cup is the main cup and the and the the games unless it's like a very
1: tight game seven in baseball where every pitch is whatever uh-huh. hockey is every second in the playoffs it's completely different than the regular season
0: right um so i would say uh you'll probably get me if there's a chance a team's gonna win it all that day um and i'm home i'll put on the hockey game um but i would have to say either college football or nfl um and i don't know why um but that's i would probably watch the more of when um the fact is as a lions fan my team is perpetually been out of it in my life um, with a couple real kick in the guts where there was a glimmer of hope and it didn't happen Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that's more a cultural thing maybe just because so many people watch it it's just something you talk about Um, and then I would say uh, I I end up watching March Madness Madness, no matter what too. but that's usually because I'm doing a bracket Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and I think college is College sports are easy to have, like, multiple teams you like. Like, I'll, I'm going to cheer anyone big Ten except Ohio State. Yep. So that gives me something in the If tournament. Detroit
1: Mercy makes the field, yep. you're going to tune in.
0: And the same with college football playoff. Even though I'm not a Michigan fan, right. um, I think you can attest, Michael, I was cheering for Michigan yep. Yep. when they that. made their run yep. this year. Yeah. Um, I Even if Ohio State gets in – Usually, I, will kind of pull for them because right. it's good for the conference. Right. Um, but I would say that would be the the ones. Um, I really would love it to be baseball, but I.
1: You gotta be. You gotta. Be, you gotta know the players. You gotta know the history. You gotta know what happened last week. Yep. And it's just, you know, it's a long game. Yeah. Unless they start getting more hits and more base runners and more,
0: you know action more i just it's going to be yep. hard i would agree regarding um world cup i that's something i think that would surprise my like my like high school self would probably think it's funny that i can get really into the world mm-hmm. cup now even champions league i can kind of get yes, into yes if you,
1: if you yeah Ch- champions or even you know like if it's la liga mm-hmm. championship game yeah I,
0: I would, you know. I'd say part of that if is, if has I, been if, going to like if a, I a to be few soccer games that yeah. have like legit atmosphere, yeah. and you you like just get the sense of like. I would say there's nothing like it in sport like there is with some of these clubs that like the clubs are very fan oriented, not well, not even fan oriented, fan driven. Like yeah. the that the fans are like part of the identity of the club in a way that maybe doesn't. And I, I really like relegation. I'm sorry, but it's like that there's yeah. this chance to move right. up and there's the, the fear of moving down. Um so I can get into Champions League, I um Premier League, Bundesliga I like to follow. Um, but World Cup especially, I will I would watch like uh Estonia versus like Belgium. Absolutely if it um it's just fun. Yeah. And our team is almost never in it. Yeah, um, in fact, so it's
1: almost like America's like, yeah, it's nice, but
0: right, and it's like, let's let the world have this. Like we're gonna we're gonna try to get better, but we're still gonna like it's gonna come down to we really need to at least tie with Honduras to get in, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and I always feel bad with those games too. It's like a country with three million people, and then we have like three hundred million. And I don't know. And you'd think, like, we'd win, like, 8 nothing, mm-hmm. but we don't. We don't. Nope. Although, I will say, when we play Mexico, those are always – not always, but lately, the last decade, yeah, those have been – That would be, you know – Those I are good games. Because I don't think those two teams, they've really grown to dislike each yeah, other. Yeah, that,
1: that's sort of a bucket list sort of thing. Yeah. Like, you know, go to the Masters, go to uh, – Championships League game um, Mexico US.
0: Yeah, so I do think World Cup would be up there for me. All right, you told me to stop you. We're done. Okay. Let's go to the uh, main topic. We'll make our way to the main topic. Brings us to our main topic, which is simply that everyone is a, a theologian. And I'll give a little background, just of why I have this in mind. Um, you might have noticed, Michael, um, that over the last few weeks, but especially for some reason, let's say the last week, there's been a lot of Bible passages and verses and religion talk, banting about. Um, The spaghetti monster in the sky has made a comeback now (laughs) Um, as a way of mocking, uh, at least Christianity, parts of Christianity, um, Mm -hmm. non-progressive, white evangelical Christianity. Um, And uh, which, to be fair,
1: sometimes deserves to be mocked.
0: Right. And um, already before that, though, you've had. Plenty of polls, you know, um, studies done about um, what percentage, you know, the religious demography of America. And so we'll hear a lot about these nuns, N-O-N-E-S, that have no religion, stuff like that. Um, You'll have um, lots of talk about um, spirituality or no spirituality or just... Our, our discussions are saturated with um, either uh, people pushing for their religious views or people angry at any religious views or apocalypticism of various kinds or people trying to use the Bible to prove something or to use the Bible to disprove something. <clears throat> um, and so uh, that has all been going on. and that's not exactly what I have in mind when I say everyone's a theologian. Um, because that is more, um, I would say, uh, it's just ideologically driven proof texting, right? When I say everyone is a theologian, what I more mean is what leads them to do that. Does that make sense? Michael? Absolutely. Um, that, um, what, what is animating them? And, uh, And so um, maybe we have something in mind, kind of like a seculosity Dave Zoll book thing where everybody has religious impulses and they get channeled into something. And so he talks about the different seculosities. But I don't know that it even has to be that. Um, But everyone lives. I'm going to use a word that Michael likes that I sometimes cringe at a little bit. But um, I think Mike is good for using it often when he does. Um people have a, a worldview. People have a framework. they have um, epistemological how we know things structures um within which they operate. um they give narratives or explanations um, to phenomena um and uh, they give uh, they imbue things with with meaning, inanimate things and animate things and so um, when I talk about everyone being a theologian, uh, what I especially mean is everyone has a, sometimes it's very eclectic and subconscious, but everyone has a theology that they have worked out, which helps guide um, the decisions they make, but also helps someone keep their sanity, because it's very hard to maintain one's sanity. In a world that is constantly throwing disparate, you know, disconnected um, uh, things at you, uh, that that everyone in that sense is a theologian. Now, not everyone is a good theologian. Mm-hmm. And perhaps no one is worse theologians than many professional theologians because that theology can be disconnected from life itself. It can become uh, just an abstraction, right? But... uh. So that's kind of what I had in mind. And I'm going to throw it to you, Michael, because I think this is in your wheelhouse. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff you do with this yeah. for you to go where you would like to go.
1: Yeah, I think there's quite a few things. Um, when you first mentioned this, which was, you know, three minutes before we started, um, the first thing that came to mind was. Which is actually
0: quite prepared for us. Yes, sorry. Right.
1: Um, not only is everybody a theologian, everybody's a philosopher. Um, I would say everybody's an apologist. Um it, it's similar to, and we've talked about this before, it's similar to when someone, when a when a church says, we're a liturgical church, or we're a non-liturgical church, and I roll my eyes, I know what you mean, but you don't have a choice. <laughs> if, if you do something in space and time, then that's your liturgy, and your liturgy is going to, um, it's going to reflect your theology, whether you like it or not, right? So, you don't have a choice as a person who is, who occupies time and space. Um, you, everybody's a philosopher, which is a lesson hard for sometimes a conservative theologian or a conservative Christian who looks at passages that slam philosophy. And we still have this history of um, uh, not only the Reformation area where maybe the philosophers were Were pitching hole or uh, putting theological square pieces into round holes and problematic, but then uh, the philosophers are the ones where taught us atheism and all this kind of stuff, and so we have a bad taste in our mouth of philosophy, and and in a case rightfully so because these are things of man. Um, but the problem is, is that you're still a philosopher. You are a thinker. You are a lover of wisdom.
0: Rejecting philosophy is a philosophy. It's a philosophy.
1: It's just not a very good one. It's not a very thoughtful one. Uh, since we kind of always talking about apologetics and, and what is the role of apologetics when it comes to uh, reason and faith and ministry and evangelism, we have to be very careful. You don't reason people into faith. But when someone just flat out blanketly says uh, uh, apologetics is, is stupid or whatever, go, well, you're going to do it. It's just a matter of whether you do it w- w- with thoughtfulness or not. So let me, if, if you're a congregation that does something in time and space, you are liturgical. If you are uh, a Christian who um, is going to talk about faith, you are an apologist. If you are a person with a brain that thinks, then you are a philosopher. If you are a person occupying time and space and have a body and a soul you are a theologian. Uh, I want to be careful here because I this is outside of my my wheelhouse. So I, you can correct. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But there are religious impulses, and I, and I do believe that maybe this is more of a reform thing to say. We we have an innate connection to God. hmm Right. I, I will take that in the Augustinian way.
0: I mean, Paul says as much in it, Romans.
1: I am restless. Right. Until I find rest in you.
0: Isaiah talking about we grope about in the darkness. There's... I have a
1: God-sized hole in my whatever. Yeah. Now, the reason I want to be careful here is because sometimes...
0: You're not talking about an inner light or spark or...
1: That or the, the idea that, which is similar, that the only way I can know God is that he zaps me knowledge. Right. Right? Outside of the, the means, right? So sometimes we get really close to that. Like, yeah, we understand that you have to have the word... Um, but it's like a, you know, God gives me the information like, like, I don't know. Arabia. Like a spiritualist like movement. You know? Yeah. Um, so I want to be careful there, but at the same time there are religious impulses. So, uh, right now you gratefully list last year, um, as our, as our good friend and former colleague, uh, uh, doctor, Reverend Dr. Mark Brown retired. He left a gaping hole. Um, one of them was teaching the class world religions and you took it on at the last second i'm grateful now this summer i'm building it my way so and i will teach it in the fall and i i didn't like how i did it huh? uh, no uh (laughs) you have other things to do um and uh i was attracted to uh i think it's stephen prothero we've read a couple of his books um and one of them is religious literacy, and he makes he makes a very good case that we should know religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be taught in the public schools and all this kind of stuff, just because this is our lives. If you don't know what's going like on, like it or not,
0: yeah. our world has been shaped right. by it, and it's a driving force right. in many.
1: And if you are illiterate in this, this is going to to, to affect how you govern people. This is affect how you see the world and all this kind of stuff.
0: And, um, and you're gonna you're going to misunderstand basic things mm-hmm. about 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 almost any area of life because in the past even in the West where mm-hmm. you might say people are less religious yep. religion drove things but in the world today yeah. when we often assume things about other parts of the world yep. we assume they're people with the same assumptions and um, you know a uh, basic worldview and that if you don't understand different religious thought what is shaped, oriented, how they've got, even if they're an unbeliever in that part of the world, they've still been shaped by yeah. religious thought. Uh,
1: you, you don't fully understand Russia and Ukraine unless you understand the split between the East and the West right. of the Church. Um, if you think the Middle East is just about oil, um, well, you're going to make some very poor political decisions. Or if you think
0: just the Middle East is Muslim, and so no. you know Muslims are Muslims, and you don't understand Shia and Sunni, no. No. there's going to be... Or Christian,
1: huge Christian minorities, right? Um, Kurds, especially, yeah. So, um, and when
0: you look could at our freighter, not send that helicopter to save lives when we're recording, yes.
1: If you can hear the uh, the uh, medevac is coming to the hospital, which is across the street from I, our.
0: I am just joking, I'm gonna take a moment, Michael. That's right. What did I just do,
1: I will send another email to them to say, when we are recording, could you please? We're not saying. Leave someone on the street to die We're just saying go to a different
0: hospital Yeah is not that too much to ask But I did I just prayed for whoever it is We're just joking
1: <laughs> We are joking we sure everything's going to be okay They are in good hands yes. Okay So you Would you fly in a helicopter?
0: What's that? Would you fly in a helicopter?
1: Uh, I've, I've never flown in a helicopter Would you though? Would I?
0: I would absolutely not ever It's one of those things That just terrifies me And I would not Yeah I so do far it. as I'm able to control them I would not I, let my do it. for kids
1: I would do it I do.
0: It just seems like a terribly irresponsible decision.
1: I don't know. You probably are more apt to die from tripping on your I just, steps at I home. I think
0: of almost every form of transportation, it's the one that just seems...
1: Like you're not supposed to do
0: that. It's weird. It's like, like a little. It's like a bug.
1: Testing God. You're
0: testing God. The hubris of
1: mankind. Yeah, you think sure. the helicopter is representative of the the hubris you just, you're of not, mankind? Like
0: you're not even moving fast. Like as someone who's afraid of heights, at least in an airplane, like you're moving yeah. fast. Like a helicopter, you can just be like, "Let's go really high and just hover." Yeah. I, why it's would you unnatural. want to do that? Yeah. You're not going anywhere. I get it. I get to save lives. I'm in favor of that. Yeah. Okay. But if I ever, if they're like, if I'm ever dying, and they they're like, "Let's send the helicopter." If you're there, I want you to be like, no, nope, just let him die.
1: I think you can put that in your, uh, what's it called? the, Not living the will, will, but
0: the, um,
1: you know, the document that says do not rest. Your necessity. living will, yeah. yeah. Something like that. You can put that, you see if you can put that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've said multiple times on your tombstone, it will say died of stubbornness. All right. Back to the point. So you kind of said it very nicely about, hey, if you to understand the history of the world and the rest of the world, you have to understand it religiously, um, which I think is, is plain as day. Right. But I would go so far as to say, when have you read a news story about anything important where there was not something religious today? Um, religion is all around you. And I think from our point of view, the frustration is not so much that, let's say the media or the government or whatever, whoever else we want to blame today is being anti our religion. Although that may be the case on some, some, some times, but they just don't get it. They just don't understand it. Right. And I think that's to misunderstand not only the culture and the politics, but it's to misunderstand what a human being is. Mm -hmm. And when you see how people react whether they are Christian, agnostic, atheist, Islam, Buddhist, I don't care who you are. There are certain things that are religious um, impulses. Um, there is, for instance, if you just, and this is where it's also everybody's a philosopher. You have an epistemology. Where do I find truth and how do I know things? You have the question of what is the good life? How shall I live? Kind of a moral but also a cultural question. You are going to have a story. And you are also going to have some sort of understanding of the interaction between the physical and the spiritual. It may be that there is no spiritual. It may be that the spiritual is disconnected from the physical. But you have thought this out. Because you are a human being, With a body and a soul, whether you admit it or not. So when we think about um, uh, the way uh, parties, political parties work, movements work and stuff like that, um, there tends to be um, religious impulses there. Uh, Often there is an apocalyptic sort of uh, get people going thing. So, for instance, uh, Roe versus Wade uh, was overturned this last week. Um, Was it? Yeah, I don't know if you've heard that. A gazillion stories about... How
0: are people taking that?
1: Yeah, about how this will be the end of all human rights. It's apocalyptic literature. It's basically
0: Handmaid's Tale is inevitable. now.
1: Apocalyptic uh, impulses. Um, I'm not saying that there aren't some rights that maybe we who are pro-life may actually want to... We would be wearisome of a Supreme Court right... Leaning Supreme Court would take I'm not saying that I'm not saying that some of this happened But this is the same It's a different issue But it's the same impulse When someone says If you even slightly Try to Take away any freedom Related to the second amendment Every freedom will then fall after that Environmentalism probably is is a Primary example of You have an evangelism You have preachers You have doctrines that cannot be questioned um you have apocalyptic fears um you have an us versus them Uh, these are all religious impulses and they manifest themselves in different ways precisely because we are all theologians right and i'm going to kick it to you but before we come back um i think we need to the other thing that popped in my mind when you when you brought this up is this is the language of the Heidelberg Disputation, right? Uh, he deserves to be called a theologian, right? And what Luther is after there is not professional theologian, but the Christian. And so I think we can pull it back into something that is distinctively Christian and, and Lutheran. But I'll let you talk now. I've been talking too much.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I think that's all helpful <clears throat> and maybe something we could develop a little bit more um that you brought out there at the end, especially with with Roe v. Wade, um, but you connected as well, Second Amendment, stuff like this, is um, what's people's fear? Okay, certain rights, the debates over what are certain things, constitutional rights, right? Here, even there, we just want to be careful when we're talking about rights. We can talk about rights that are just, conducive with human dignity, right? That um, And our founding fathers do talk about inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. They're endowed by their creator, right? Um, but then when we're talking about constitutional right, all we mean is that, that you can find that right enshrined in the Constitution. And that's basically what the Roe v. Wade debate is, is if it is a constitutional right, so a federal thing, um, where is it in the Constitution? And what the Supreme Court has said is that we don't think it's where the previous court said it was especially then relating to privacy um and um and so uh where i think we see everyone is a a theologian is when we extrapolate out from that you've mentioned these fears of well if this falls then that will fall whether it be second amendment whether it be um abortion rights Uh, what's the implication is life will not be worth living right um or that, as you mentioned, things get eschatological or apop- apocalyptic. And here, just again, eschatological. We had a streak where we were using this word all the time when we were talking about America losing its mind, um, which I still think was one of our better— uh, that's, I, That in the liturgy series are the two that I, I really get the most compliments about. Um, but es- the eschaton or the end times, mm-hmm. right? Last things. Study of it, heaven. It doesn't have to be end times. It can be last things of other things. Heaven,
1: hell, the Death, church. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, and so apocalyptic or eschatological views of these things, well, why does that betray that one is a theologian or one is doing theology? It's because these are religious views, right? Um, what even Christianity says there's certain things at a point that life just wouldn't be living, worth living. It's better um, uh, to lose everything than your soul. What? What? Why can sure, I not think of this sure, verse? Sure. Um, it's right. uh, better.
1: You would rather lose your life than lose your
0: faith. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, if your eye causes you to sin, yeah. gouge it out, which is not meant literally. Yeah. Um, but we do get these statements of there's there's things that are of first importance for living. And here, I think it's good that you've been tying in philosophy, too, because these are, these are also philosophical questions. Um, but where I think they become especially religious and thus theological is that Religion can be defined a number of different ways, and I I had looked at the Oxford Dictionary for this um, because people always just quote Webster's, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But Webster's Oxford, most dictionaries have several definitions, but one is a pursuit, interest, or movement followed with great devotion. Right, a pursuit, interest, or movement followed with great devotion, and I think there is key is um, is the idea of devotion. But also it can be um, a pursuit or interest to which someone uh, ascribes supreme importance. And that's where I think we can see uh, that everyone is to some degree uh, a theologian or not. And I think we see this with Christians, too, where um, if someone's not in the Word, it's not that they're not doing theology. Mm -hmm. It's just they're doing their theology on the basis of things that aren't the Word, which can always become very dangerous. Uh, I would say um, this is something that uh, keeps me in Lutheranism, right, and drew me to Lutheranism as opposed to Roman Catholicism. Uh, Roman Catholicism can have, I would say, things that outstrip what you're going to realistically find in American Lutheranism, sometimes profoundly in beauty or in, um, uh, in, in depth of insight sometimes where they've just for two thousand years, dwelt on something, and you go, man, that's a deep thought.
1: Right. We we've uh, an example, both in, in, and you can even expand into Judaism too. Have thought a lot about ethics, natural law, and stuff like. Not saying we agree with everything right. on there, but they they are, they're running circles around us.
0: Right. Yeah. And um, but what what keeps me um, what I appreciate greatly about Lutheranism, um, is that at the end of the day you got to do your theology in and from the word. Now, Luther's one of Luther's great insights is that this is a living word and right. It's applied in these situations and the word is active upon us. um, And the word is active in the world, right? That, that God can be at work in creation as well, not in a pantheistic way, but in a Romans Mm -hmm. kind of way again. But, uh, but even in Lutheran churches, right? We if we're not in the Word, we're still doing theology, but just not on a solid basis. Which is how you get, you know. I look at Catholicism, and I and I go, okay, yeah. Even Luther says Mary has a special place. Luther even, uh, I can't remember where, but he says, yeah, sh- she could be understood to be Queen of Heaven, but you shouldn't do too much mm-hmm. with that, right? Um, but you look at some of the Marian. Uh, when you, it's interesting to go down like a Marian rabbit hole sometime mm-hmm. and the, you to build off then these like, um, you know, supposed revelations. That it, so you get the Immaculate Conception, you get mm-hmm. the Assumption, you get, and then you're going to get Fatima and Lourdes and, and all these additional things. Um, well, how is this going to happen? It's because you're, you're, they started with the word, Mary is in the Bible, mm-hmm. but then you're, you're building layers on stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it can happen within Lutheranism as well. Uh, it can happen with me. It has happened with me, and i'm I'm sure it can happen with you, Michael, mm-hmm. is sometimes we get really interested in something, and maybe we're not in the word as as much as we otherwise would like to be. And by in the word, too, I don't mean just reading our Bible, but I mean actually, um, you know, hearing the word preached, being absolved, stuff like this. Uh, that what I'm, I'm I'm building up layers still, but not layers based on the word and so where my life it, when i'm seeing stuff and reacting to things my instincts are um ill formed or um or my fears uh, i have a friend who likes to say if you want to know um what someone's idol is ask what they're most afraid of right uh, and and so we're still doing theology we're just we're not doing it with the tool that God gave us for doing theology with. Um, there's a, You just ordered this book for you and Jason, and we'll um, hopefully do a short series on it, but um, uh, Helmut Thielke, I'm saying his last name wrong, but uh, um, World War II era, post-World War II, um, Lutheran theologian, really well-known preacher. He talks about there's two things that just really don't, often express themselves well in the same person and that's truth and love. <laughs> that someone can be really good on the truth but then yeah. they, they use that for power or they become puffed up or someone can be really uh, good at love but that love becomes divorced from truth. Right? Which and, I
1: think we... we sorry to interrupt. That's fine. I thought about this. I wrote one thing about it but I'm not there yet. Is that truth serves love and finally, truth and love are a person, Jesus Christ, and we don't divide the two because we don't yep. divide Christ. And that's as far as I've gotten, but I think there's something
0: Well, and that's there. what, you know, what is 1 Corinthians 13, but a, a description yeah. of Christ. Right. You know, these are all things you find uh, when you look at, at Christ. And so, and to use that same, and you talked about Judaism, we mentioned Catholicism. Um, we can see even in the unbeliever, in the atheist, the same religious impulses that you will find within various religions. You'll have the clean-unclean dynamics. Uh Who's clean-unclean? What makes you unclean? So purity way of looking at things. Um, You'll find legalism, or you can even find like a non-Christian Protestantism, so to speak, um, which is like a call to some sort of radical faith. Mm -hmm. Um, So claims that can be made about me or I can make or I can assert about myself Divorced from reason or, or biology or whatever, um, whatever you want it to be divorced from, um, kind of like a, a secular fideism. Uh, and sometimes this is conservatives doing this too, for instance, with things like uh, American ideals. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and so I do think um, when we see how people – what makes life not worth living? What, what's the end of my world? Right. What, what is apocalyptic to me? Mm -hmm. What makes me decide who's clean or unclean, who's in or out. Um, And for the Christian in this, this again, and I would say is ought to be a great strength of Lutheranism, but it's what Christianity in general ideally should be doing. Um, And this is why someone like a Paulson talks about the need for a preacher. Um, And even David Foster, Wallace, talks about this, not from a Christian perspective, but just in general, is to call you out of that because all of those other idols, uh, as Wallace says, will eat you alive, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so even why are some of the atheists so worked up about a God who doesn't exist? And some would give very um, pious-sounding answers of, well, because that God who doesn't exist, followers are doing great harm, whatever, but if you read them, they're not just mad at the followers mm-hmm. they're mad at the God who doesn't exist, and they're almost always mad at whichever God they they grew up with mm-hmm. right? um, and uh this zeal then expresses it in in very religious ways um, and and is often presented in what otherwise would be religious. Categories, right? Um, and then sometimes in return, Christians fall into the. This is the danger in apologetics: is yep. to fall into the same camp of. Um, well, if you're so confident your God exists, why are you so worked up yeah. about someone saying he does? Like, if you were to say, "Wait, your dad doesn't exist," I'm gonna be like, "Dude, I just saw him today. Yeah. We met, and I got the girls. They had been in Michigan. Um, my dad certainly exists." Like. Um, you know, so we can we can have that run counter. Uh, but I would say, just to go back to again, especially here, the warning for my own Christian life, and then I guess I would say for fellow Christians, um, is that I think sometimes we can think like, oh, I just haven't been in the Word that much lately, and maybe like our faith is getting weak. <laughs> You're still, you've still been doing theology. It's not the same as like you didn't go to the gym and you haven't been lifting. So now next time you go back, you're not going to max as much on the bench, which is the main exercise you should do, right? (laughs) Um, You're actively still doing theology. Um, And the danger is when you get the old Adam doing theology, he's very good at it, but he's he's building, um, it's not just not going to the gym. He's feeding you. Um, what are the tacos at, uh, Taco Bell that are made with Doritos? It seems <laughs> like the most Dorito tacos. He's, he's feeding you Dorito tacos. And, and then L's. he
1: will start saying stuff about the word of God. That's not into his own categories. That's not true. Right. Mm-hmm. Like then when you go back, yeah. yeah. Um, I said a lot. I apologize. That's all right. Uh, I had a few thoughts here. So, uh, just the the whole like, uh, if I if I would try to have a material only worldview, I think you you don't go very too far. You don't go get too far before you start having to answer questions that are outside of mere biology and chemistry and physics. Like who gets who gets to say what a life is? Uh, when 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 are too many rights taken away that we... These are questions that aren't answered in a purely materialistic worldview. So, And, and a lot of scientists will, will admit that. In fact, I would say most scientists. That the idea that all these scientists are atheists is just not, mm-hmm. it's just not, it's just not true. But if the, there are times when you would hear this, well, that this is not my... This is left for the philosopher, the theologian. Well, if you're living your life... I would say probably the vast majority of things that you think about and that you encounter in your day-to-day do not fall into the category of biology or neuroscience. They fall into the category of philosophy or theology. Now, you can try to explain all those things with maybe a biological um, cohort in this or, or the, you know, like... I feel sad because someone died. I can explain how that works out in my brain, maybe.
0: Mm.
1: But that's that f- does not fully explain why I'm sad, right? That that's a soul thing. So I would I would argue that if if you went through a a week and you this would be impossible to do, but you started calculating all of your thoughts, whether they had to do with biology, neuroscience, physics, chemistry, psychology, botany. philosophy, religion. Botany, lawn. these kinds of things. That you're pro even if you were thinking botany, you were still thinking philosophically because that plant gives you joy, or pride that your yard is better than the neighbors, or whatever
0: a- Or just at least that my yard is no longer like probably the one that people were like, oh,
1: so, you can't escape as as our point here. You can't escape being a philosopher. You can't escape being a theologian. And then when you start thinking, oh, by the way, one more note before I go to Heidelberg, we did at least one, maybe two, on James K. A. Smith that talks about this, mm-hmm. um, where everybody's a theologian, everybody's a worshipper. As I would, would say, say, I put
0: those links in the show notes, but I will forget to do yes. that.
1: Uh, and and then makes the connection that everybody has an idol, and he and James K.A. Smith is. Channeling um, David Foster Wallace, among others, including Saint Augustine,
0: yeah, so go to LetTheBirdFly.com. there's yeah. a search thing yeah. you can do there, just put in Smith or Augustine, Smith Augustine yeah, yeah. yeah and you 'll find it because I will forget to put it in the show notes
1: so Luther's going to say something like this like uh, the person uh, does not deserve or deserves to be called a theologian. he does not mean professional theologian does not mean clergy class. He means the person, right?
0: It's like when he says, "The person who knows how to rightly distinguish law and gospel deserves a doctor's right, hat." Right. He doesn't mean like they sh- literally should get their yeah. doctorate.
1: There is a distinction between the office of preacher and the laity. We're not, but you're a theologian if you, if you because you're thinking, you're studying about God.
0: just as every lay person is in a sense a preacher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, but notice he says you're at one point he says you are deserving to be a theologian or you're not deserving to be a theologian. But then he goes on and says, there's a theologian of glory and a theologian of the cross. So when we think about somebody who is letting the old Adam perhaps do most of the theological legwork, that would be our default position, sinful, and our default position would be a theologian of glory. And so at once Luther says, the theologian of glory is no theologian, Right. But he get he he still understands. He means bad theologian. Yeah, he has sense. Yes, he is. It's just not a, not a, not a good one. So when you think about this, for instance, uh, he he'll say that the person does not deserve to be called a theologian who looks upon the invisible things of God as though that they were clearly perceptible in those things that have actually happened. And this is, this sparks a whole lot of uh, different thesis theses that he's talking about. But what he's after there is finally you have this preached and revealed to you in scripture that tells you what is right and wrong. That tells you that this is good and this is evil and tells you, um, what is truth as opposed to you reasoning it out yourself. Right? So to be a theologian finally is what you're after is you have to be in the word of God is a, this is a roundabout way to be a good theologian, a good theologian. Right. Uh, because you are going to find your information of which you're going to make theolo- based, which you're going to base your theological convictions on, even if you're an atheist, and if you take that f- away from the revelation of God, you're only left with your reason, and not only will that not only get you so far, it's going to get you down eventually the wrong path. agreed? Yeah. So I think this, everybody's a theologian, I think has a direct connection to the Heidelberg thesis and the theology of the cross, which we have also done numerous uh, podcasts, episodes
0: on. Mm -hmm. No, and I think that hits it. I mean, mostly what I had in mind. Um, And so I guess the encouragement for me and for our listeners um, is probably sometimes it's good for us to step back. And when we find ourselves... Having um, what seems like a a religious reaction or something, uh, to step back and ask how our theology led to that, right? Contributed to it. How did we? How did we get to that to that spot? Um, and that could be you overreact to your uh, to your kids striking out at the little league game. Right? Um, it could be that you just can't get off Twitter. Um, because of this news about whatever one particular event that you that you otherwise have no personal connection to, but seems to be just hanging over your your day or Are your you week. Are you making
1: confession to me? Huh? Are you making confession to me? No. Okay.
0: Um, it it could be um related to a fear, e- economic fear, or a um uh, uh, it could it could even be uh, what might otherwise be a reasonable personal fear, but, but something that you have no control over, uh, to step back and ask, how did my theology lead to this? Now, I've done all those things at some point, mm-hmm. but i uh, not confessing in the, in and, the and, moment. And
1: there are certain, we got to be careful here, there are certain things, anxiety, is that uh, are chemically and can be treated chemically. Right. But a part of the equation, and a good therapist, by the way, since we're going down this, a good therapist who understands religion will not ignore that. But we'll try to talk theology sometimes, right? And sometimes, I've had this case, the, 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 the theology was the problem. And when you fix the theology, you're able to cope with the anxiety, with the depression, with the whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so I don't mean to make that as in the case of if, yeah, if right someone right. has a condition yeah, that's yeah, leading them yeah, to yeah. an irrational fear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to step back and say, well, what actually is our theology on this? And I think we will all have a more fulfilled life if we're able to do that sometimes. And then, as I said, to be in the Word, to be hearing it, um, to have uh, a well-formed theology, which is what Luther is getting at there, a theology that, that bears the imprint of Christ um, and that operates um, from and in the image um, of, of Christ. And so, go ahead don't be afraid the worst thing that's going to happen is is that you'll uh you'll have some stuff to give to jesus who in return just gives you righteousness and grace and uh and bids you to live then in freedom and joy so that you can let the bird fly
1: not drunk, I'm just a drinker, I'll set him up, another round, I'll set him up, another round, I'll set him up, another round, one more round, won't get me down. And I said, Honey, honey, I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk. I'm just drinking. I said, Another round. I said, Another round. I said, Another round. Set up, another round. Oh, one more.